Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How would you like to be a Christian living in... Ukraine. This is Wretched Radio. We have tens of thousands of brothers and sisters who are living in Ukraine right now. What is life like for them? Uh, Joining us to describe what it is like to be a believer in Ukraine happens to be a believer in Ukraine. Max and I met, give or take, 15 years ago when I went to Kiev to tour around Ukraine visiting the Tomorrow Clubs. Max is a part of the Tomorrow Clubs. He acted as my interpreter. We became buds. He's visited us in the States. And right now he is in an undisclosed location in Ukraine. And he is going to share with us what it is like to be a civilian living in a country that is being invaded by a great big bear. Max, I'm very glad that you and your family are safe. You had to leave your home, correct? Yes, we had to leave home right away. So you were able to move into the western side of Ukraine. My understanding, Max, is that the west is relatively peaceful. It's the eastern side of Ukraine that is being invaded. It's peaceful, but the the alarms, the sirens are going off constantly because Drones are periodically across the airspace from Russia. And do you now, where you are at, hear explosions? I don't hear explosions, but I hear sirens. What about when you were in Kiev? Were you hearing explosions then? Uh, absolutely. I got up early in the morning, seven days ago. It was, I think it was 4 a.m. I got up from uh, hearing a made big explosion. I'm, uh, my house is not far from the military base. My house was just literally shaking and windows were vibrating. So I immediately knew that, you know, it took me a little time to figure out that I knew this is Russia uh, started attacking Ukraine. So we packed our stuff, everything we could, and we hit the road. Unfortunately, I had to say goodbye to my family. They didn't, my parents did not want to leave. They wanted to stay and, you know, it's heartbreaking for me. But, you know, it took us about 40 hours, typically six hours to get to Western Ukraine. We stuck on the road and we had to go the back roads, back ways in order to get here where we are now. And it took 40 hours with your family to get to a safe place. Max, your, your story with your family being separated, it is not the only one. That is one of the unreported stories of Ukraine. Families are being divided all over the place, aren't they? Absolutely, and it's heartbreaking knowing that cities, you know, places where we, our parents, our brothers and sisters decided to stay, our friends are being bombed now. It breaks our hearts. Yeah, we can only imagine. Max, you are currently safe, and that's great. What are the odds that you that people on the streets believe? that it will either be a half takeover, an attempt to take over half of Ukraine, or does Vladimir Putin want the entire country? Well, of course, I think Putin would like to have entire country, but I'm not sure if he can do that right now. Because if we look at the situation right now, uh, he was going to invade Ukraine and take it over entirely in 48 hours. But today, it's seventh day of the invasion, and he didn't progress that much, which is a miracle, to be honest with you. 
Uh, that's a, a huge blessing. So we'll wait and see what he tries to do. I have to tell you, the response of the international community has been rather interesting to me because there are a lot of organizations in the United States that have just decided to not do business with Russia anymore. So even businesses are very sympathetic toward Ukraine right now, which is excellent in my opinion. Speaking of businesses, how easy is it to get food, water, and a shower? Well, in place where I live right now, it's uh, it's okay. But like back where in Kiev and in Kharkiv, uh, when the infrastructure was destroyed, there's food shortage, there's uh, electricity shortage or no electricity. And, uh, you know, stores are empty, there's no food. And uh, I don't know, people just live on whatever they had before. So no doubt, Max, you're a husband and a father. Describe for us how you are processing this, thinking about this, and how you are dealing with the safety of your family. Well, it's been really hard enough because, first of all, we did not, we lived uh, for, for the first day, we just tried to live in complete denial that such thing could have ever happened to a peaceful nation like Ukraine. Because Ukraine was never going to attack anyone. And for us, we just could not believe it. But now we realize it's happening. And uh, we, Vika, my wife, and myself, for the last seven days, we barely slept because we just stay on our phones and try to call our families to make sure they're right. So it's a constant stress. And the only relief that we have is when we kneel down and pray to God and uh, seek His face and ask His protection. And, you know, that grants us some peace. And one thing I can tell you for sure, we will never be the same again after what we experienced in the last seven days. In what way? The whole perspective of life, the whole perspective, uh, they are you know, just looking at, treating other people, looking at the situation overall in the world. And uh, the values completely changed. Life, that's what matters now. We left everything at home. We, have, we, have, we invested our time and effort in our house. It was small, it was pretty, and we loved it, and we just had to leave it behind. And suddenly, what's most important is what you're focusing on. So the Lord no doubt uses these things to draw us closer to himself, to help us maybe realign our priorities. Having said that, being a dad who's trying to make sure his family is safe, I think you said it exactly right. It's just you're in perpetual alarm mode and that can be really exhausting. We're on the telephone, Max from Ukraine. He's our buddy from Tomorrow Clubs. If you would be so kind, Max, tell me about the Tomorrow Clubs. There are hundreds of them in Ukraine. I, I can't imagine yeah. any of them are operating at the moment. Uh, well, to be honest with you, some operating to this day in Western Ukraine because right. they, you know, it, in the situation it is evolving. But Eastern Ukraine and Central Ukraine, nothing is happening right now. So everything is in a hold mode. And it, for me personally, for me, it's a tragedy because I have invested pretty much, I don't know, half of my life to Tomorrow Clubs. And, uh, you know, all these 17,000 kids that we, that we were reaching every year and all these kids that grew up. And now, uh, honestly, I pray for everyone, you know, talk to coordinators who are still there. A lot of them are, most of them actually stay where they are now. So, and they're really at risk. So that even adds up to that, you know, alarm mode, just like you described. So that, you know, I'm praying that God would keep them safe. And I'm, I'm hoping that this war would be finished 
you know, we would meet again. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm confident of that. Max, the last number I saw was no death is low, but the number was about a couple hundred people died. Has that number fluctuated much? Todd, um, you need to understand. This is the, what the official statistics say, but I believe there is more than that. Media is trying to underestimate so people would not panic. All right, so Max, tell us two things. How can we pray for y'all and how can we help the mm. Tomorrow Clubs? Right now, I, I probably our biggest prayer request is God would, you know, to this day, it's a, uh, if you want to call it a miracle, it is a miracle that we, 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 we were holding on for seven days in a row. And Russia, you know, with the oldest their might and army, was not able to take over not even one big city to this very day. And it's a miracle. And that's because I believe that there's thousands of Christians are praying yeah, around the world right I now. Agree. And I want to ask, do not stop praying. Because what's happening right now, you know, you may be surprised that a lot of Russians are surrendering. A lot of Russians, they don't want to fight. They, they just run to the forest, leaving their ammunition and their vehicles behind. Uh, and my second point is right. yeah. Tomorrow Collapse, uh, the biggest need. There's a lot of refugees. And our Tomorrow Collapse leaders in the West right now are trying to, to meet the needs. Right now we have food, uh, medication, uh, care packages, and believe it or not, mattresses. Because there's no people don't have in their homes place to put the people uh, and you know, it's everything we can use. We're using right now. We're you know, trying to to meet the needs of those of those families who, who had to escape the war. Indeed, and, and that's so, and that's not typically Tomorrow Club's focus. You're not a humanitarian that, ministry, that, but you are our, now. Our focus was evangel children evangelism and spreading the good news and helping kids learn to follow the gospel. You know, to, to become like Christ. And right now. We're recognizing the need. We have to walk away from that and really serve those families because a lot of those families come from non-believer families. Uh, they're not believers. And here, believers, meeting them, serving them, and you know, showing them the love of Christ, I think, it's a, first of all, it's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. If you can support the Tomorrow Clubs, this would be a good time. I know that Paul is working on trying to coordinate efforts to get people food and mattresses and medication. If you'd be kind enough to visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. The gospel is still being preached, but we got to be praying that safety will come soon so that the Tomorrow Clubs can open and serve all of the kids that attend Tomorrow Clubs hearing the gospel. So let's be praying for Max. If you can support Tomorrow Clubs, that would be most excellent. They are an efficient ministry and they'll do everything they can to help in any way that they can. Max, I'm glad that you and your family are safe, brother. We love you guys. We're really grateful for love what you, you do. All right, so stay safe, all right, brother? Thank you. That is Maxime from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine. What is it like to be a Christian in Ukraine today? This is Wretched Radio. Hey, Tomorrow Club supporter, this message from Paul Marty, the director of the Tomorrow Clubs, is just for you. You know, it's been more than 25 years now since my wife Cindy first brought leaders and kids together for the very first Tomorrow Club. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched. 
super grateful for all the ways you help kids in forsaken places learn to follow Jesus. Thank you for your support of the Tomorrow Club's $30 a month disciples 30 kids in Eastern Europe and now in Africa where Tomorrow Clubs anticipates they could be opening up 100 new clubs in a year. Would you please consider becoming a Tomorrow Club supporter? Kids clubs that meet in forsaken places, they get loved on, they hear the gospel, they memorize Bible verses, and they're getting saved. To support your own Tomorrow Club, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Question, do you also watch TV? All right, don't mock me. That's a legitimate question because some Christians don't and that's okay. But I did want you to remember that Wretched is also on TV. 135 Christian networks to be exact. Wretched TV is hosted, of course, by Todd Friel and is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters and conversations about tough theology stuff. You can find us on TV, our website, wretched.org slash TV, and also on Roku, Amazon Prime, Truly, and Amazon Fire TV. And it's only possible by the kindness and generosity of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? You can help us continue making Wretched available to everyone and also help us in our mission to reach the lost, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Find out how you can become a Wretched Gospel Partner just by visiting Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Permit me to introduce you to Bree and Salvation Dominoes Preborn Style. When one person gets saved, they have that burning desire to just make him known the same way that was made known to them. And then it's just this domino effect. Bree currently volunteers at a preborn life center. How did she get saved? From a friend whose mother got saved at, you guessed it, a preborn life center. Why? Because preborn, it is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. And look at the domino effect. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28. For an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. Know your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland a hotbed of reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for Reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well then, that tune changed. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you were hearing us interview Maxim Slivka from Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. And Max was describing what it's like to be a Christian in Ukraine. And he was, I think, giving the facts stating this is what's happening the bombs are going off this is what parts of the country are under assault and he gave us the information that we were hoping to hear but then we ended the phone call jimmy you kept recording didn't you i did because that's just what you that's just standard you just keep recording and that's when we heard max's heart that's when max kind of let down his guard 
and shared how he's really doing and what it is like to be a believer in Ukraine. I'd like to share that with you now, because earlier from X, you heard the facts. Now you're going to hear the heart of a man who's a believer in Ukraine, trying to protect his family, worried about the church because there has been so much active growth in the Ukrainian church. And this man's heart is broken. And I think you're about to hear that. Today, I forgot to mention, uh, please pray for uh, what's, what, you know, just to tell you what's happening. Maybe you don't hear this news, but Russians, what they're trying to do right now, they were not able to break through uh, what they're doing right now, they uh, launch, it's called hail uh, rocket system on the cities that actually mm-hmm. level and burn the cities to the ground. Yes. So they were not able to uh, fight the, the U- Ukrainian um, army forces. So now they're like, you know, uh, launching rockets and, you know, and, and they're targeting hospitals. They're targeting uh, uh, kindergartens schools, mm. uh, and just apartments where people live. If you look up, on, like go to Google, look up Kharkiv, the city is devastated. I know, uh, it, you know, the eastern, eastern cities were, uh, you know, if you look at Kharkiv, Zaporozhye, if you look, um, uh, look up uh, Bucha, Kiev, uh, Kiev, um, uh, you know, they just start, hit, there was a rocket, maybe you've seen it on TV, hit the high-rise apartment right in the middle. So now they're trying to kind of uh, create some kind of panic and, you know, this way kind of take over like the ma- mentally win Ukrainians. That's what they're trying to do. It's their tactic used, you know, in, in Georgia when there was conflict in Georgia. The same tactic in Syria. Uh, you know, the pattern is the same. But, you know, and it, when you look at that, really, my heart is so broken. You know, I honestly, I knew that we, I spent more time on my knees than ever before. And I just cry and cry to God. And I said, God, please, you know, you, you know, you bless this nation. There's so many believers. And right now they've been serving, they've already been going to other nations. And now we are having this evil, just it's evil. It's not, it's like, you know, the war between the good and the evil. And to do what they're doing, I mean, to me, my head, can, my heart, cannot, I just cannot take it. I cannot understand this. So that's why I think right now we should pray because, you see, every night we go to bed and we, you know, and we just pray and pray and pray. And, you know, we're thinking, when we wake up tomorrow, we will wake up in the same country or it will be no country at all. Mm-hmm. So we wake up in the morning and we read news where the city is still around. You know, the, the, you know, our army is kind of holding, you know, you know, people are still there. Our relatives are still alive. And this is the first thing that we do call our families is to find out if they're okay. So this is kind of the mode we're living every single day. That helped us, didn't it? Incidentally, when Max suggested we Google, I will butcher this, Kharkiv? It has a K in front, K-H-A-R-K-I-V, Ukraine. And the first thing that you're going to see is just rubble, beautiful buildings that are just being bombed and decimated. They don't appear, the Russians don't appear to be able to conquer the Ukrainian army. And so they're just trying to wreak havoc by bombing cities. 
by bombing hospitals, by bombing grade schools, entirely indiscriminate to invoke terror into the Ukrainian people. You might not be seeing that on MSNBC, but then again, you're a Christian and you don't watch MSNBC. Please be praying for the Tomorrow Clubs, please. And support them if you can at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Jimmy, tell me how how uncommon that phenomenon is that we just heard. When somebody's talking, <laughs> usually before the interview, they've got a particular tone. And then the interview starts and the tone changes. Absolutely. We got we kind of got the flip-flop with Max here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're talking, interviewing, and it's he's being very casual and talking about the issues and giving us the facts then the microphone went off and we actually heard him Mm. and his heart it is broken i i think that we need to have a global understanding of what jesus is doing he's building his church I can't tell you the country that this was in, but I just saw a video. They said, don't release this because it'll get people in trouble. It happens to be in a country where Christians aren't welcome. (laughs) It's very difficult. You can probably guess the religion that makes them feel that way. And they were showing pictures of the Masters Academy International and pastors that are gathered together to learn how to rightly divide the word of God. And I was like, wow, Jesus is doing that in that country? I mean, there's stuff going on there. And there's stuff going on around the globe. And there are believers in Ukraine, a lot of believers in Ukraine. When I heard John MacArthur say that they've trained, I think, at least a thousand pastors in Ukraine through the Masters Academy International in Ukraine, And knowing that there are 17,000 kids that gather every week with the Tomorrow Clubs, I got to tell you, I I was encouraged and then really sad for all of the believers that are there. If you think we're having supply line issues, and supposedly we are, (laughs) what's causing it? But what's happening in Ukraine right now and believers just getting sustenance, medication, the, 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 the basic necessities of life, the, the, you're, they're living in places where the, the toilets get bombed and the, the sewer system doesn't work. It's hard. So be praying for our brothers and sisters and that freedom will reign so that the gospel can just keep going forward without oppression, without being put in jail. That's our Christian brothers and sisters in China where Jesus is currently working. This is this is why Jimmy and I probably encourage you to pray for our brothers and sisters overseas more than just about anything else. It's it's hard over there. And this is this is a reminder to us when when Max said we didn't expect this. We just we never thought this would happen. Ukraine has been free for 30 years. They've got highways and they've got cell phone towers. And they're, they've got jobs and they go about their lives with being able to say whatever they want to. Something we used to be able to do here in the States. And then they get invaded. God isn't playing geopolitics. He's playing geochurch. And he is doing what he desires to do to bring him the most glory. 
And there are times when he can do things that bring difficulties into the lives of his children. We're starting to sense how that could happen more than ever, aren't we? If you had asked me about that sensation 10 years ago, I would have been like, America, we're fine. Mm. It could turn on a dime, and that is why having the doctrine of sovereignty firmly embedded into your heart and mind before difficulties strike is so crucial. If you wait for the difficult event to deal with the issue of sovereignty and God's goodness, you can't divorce the one from the other. Otherwise, you're going to be scared. Because if God is sovereign, he does whatever he wants to do. If he ain't good, we should be terrified. But he is good, and that means everything he does Even for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, it's for their good. Now, how hard is it to find comfort in that when you're hearing bombs going off around you? It's a little trickier. And that is why you should have this theology firmly embedded into your thinking before the tragedy strikes. It might not be a nation collapsing. It could be your health crumbling. It could be your children abandoning you. Before it happens, remember, God is sovereign. He is not responding to the needs of his children. No, he's orchestrating and ordaining everything. And he will use sin sinlessly to bring about his glorious end. And along the way, not just the result, but along the way, it will be for our good. Let's be praying that our brothers and sisters in Ukraine will find comfort in that. And let's use this as an opportunity Maybe spend some time with the family talking about the doctrine of sovereignty and God's goodness. Because you never know when this might happen to us. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. A church in North Carolina recently hosted a scream night for their members to come out and literally scream about their frustrations over the coronavirus pandemic. Members were invited to, quote, release their rage and anxiety and fear that's built up in the last two years. Huh. And here I thought that a relationship with Jesus already did that. You know, you really do learn something new every day. A reporter recently asked President Biden why he supports abortion and Roe versus Wade, though he claims to be a devout Catholic. And this was the president's response. I don't want to get in a debate with you on theology, but you know. Well, anyway. And the first lady wound up having to drag him away from the confrontation. But before she did, the president also gave us this golden nugget. I'm not going to make a judgment for other people. <sighs> so much irony. You're not going to make judgments for other people, huh? I guess unless it's mask mandates or mandated vaccines or boys using female bathrooms and playing on female sports teams. Or how about the actual forced acceptance of baby murder and using taxpayer money to fund it? I guess in those cases, it's okay to force judgments on people, but not in the case of baby murder. Way to go, Joe. In a narrow vote, the state Senate in Wyoming voted to defund gender studies programs at the University of Wyoming. And the LGBT mob were none too pleased, with some saying that the move was a major loss for progress. I guess it's all in how you view it, because I'd say that it's a major win for the people of Wyoming. 
And here's a major shock to, well, really nobody. SBC president and serial plagiarizer Ed Litton has announced that he does not intend to seek a second term as president of the largest Protestant denomination in the world. Instead, he will wrap his presidency up at the SBC annual meeting in June. The call for Litton to resign as president of the convention has grown louder and louder over the last few months as he's refused to take full responsibility for plagiarizing what many have determined to be hundreds of sermons. Typically, the SBC president serves two years. After serving the first year, a vote does take place at the annual meeting, but really it's all just a formality because no one else usually runs opposed to the sitting president, so he traditionally serves a two-year term. But not this time, because Lytton plans to step down at that point and spend more time working on social justice matters. And reports continue to come out of eastern Ukraine that give us a grim look at the conditions Ukrainians are facing. One report says that newborn infants have been moved from a children's hospital to a makeshift bomb shelter, and some Ukrainian women have even had to give birth in the bomb shelters. Please continue fervently praying for the men and women of eastern and central Ukraine, and also be praying that this invasion would end sooner rather than later. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Mexican. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like perspicuity, the clarity of Scripture. God uses the text of Scripture to clearly communicate His character and will. God has not hidden His will for only the enlightened few to find. His truth can be clearly understood by anyone who reads His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oodles, there are oodles of wrong ways to read your Bible. We're just going to look at 10. This is Wretched Radio. Wow, the variety of hermeneutics we have these days in Christendom where people interpret the Bible pretty much any way that they want to. Well, there's rules to this game called reading the Bible. We want to understand the author's intention. What did he want to communicate? Not what do I want to hear? Jimmy, don't mention names. Okay. But... You were just listening to some some clips of a very famous female preacher. Oh, yes, yes. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I do, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she was preparing for her Sunday morning Bible study, and she said what? Uh, trying to rem- oh, she said, um, I spend so much time gathering stories, but then I just try to find the right scripture to use with the stories. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got my stories together. I just need to go find some Bible verses now to support it. She said it out loud. She did. Absolutely. Oh, yay, 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 yay. And yet, that isn't uncommon. The way that we read our Bible, the way that we study it, we don't come up with our ideas and then go looking for a proof text. We want to know God's ideas. So for your consideration, 10 wrong ways. To read the Bible, this comes from a list. Hold on, Henrietta. Let me find my cheaters here. From Christianity.com. Christianity.com. You got the warm fuzzies approach. Reading the Bible for a glowing subjective experience of God ignited by the words of the text, whether we understand what they actually mean or not. Result, frothy reading. That's true. I just, mm, I just mm, want to... Mm. And so you go, "Mm, read the Bible for that reason. Now, you can go read the Bible for comfort, 
encouragement, exhortation, rebuke. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but it shouldn't be your hermeneutic. Number two, you got the grumpy approach, reading the Bible out of nothing but a vague sense of what we're supposed to do to get God off of our backs for the day. That's that's not what you want to be doing. That's kind of pharisaical reading too, isn't it? The gold mine approach, reading the Bible as a vast cavernous dark mine in which one occasionally stumbles upon a nugget of inspiration. That's not the way it's supposed to work. The whole thing is a treasure chest. There's just a bunch of different jewels scattered throughout it. And you will find them regularly if you read the Bible rightly. Number four, you got the hero approach. Reading the Bible as a moral hall of fame that gives us one example after another of heroic spiritual giants to emulate. Who's the Goliath in your life? (laughs) Number six, the Indiana Jones approach. Reading the Bible as an ancient document about events in the Middle East a few thousand years ago that are irrelevant to my life today. Hey, I could add one to this. How's about the Gog Magog approach? Have you seen those stories proliferating thanks to Russia invading Ukraine? Lots of people. They've got the book of Revelation open in their right hand. They've got their social media source in their left hand, and they're smushing the two together. And I have seen unbelievable application of the book of Revelation, because apparently there are some who believe that Russia is Gog, Ukraine is Magog. Others believe that Russia is Magog and Ukraine is Gog. So there's There's varying interpretations, which should be expected because the hermeneutic is off. Don't read Revelation that way. Don't look at current events and go, hey, that's going on in the Bible. Hey, that's not why the book was written. It is a book of comfort written to persecuted Christians to let them know Jesus has this. He's in control. He is reigning. He's coming back. And justice will rule because he is going to be our benevolent king. That's the message of Revelation. And as long as We've brought up the subject, and when I say we, I mean I have brought up the subject of end times and reading the end times. Please consider this. Rather than looking at Jesus' descriptors of what's going to happen in the end times, let those descriptors remind you that Jesus is coming back. Rather than reading, oh, there's see, there are rumors of war. There's war and rumors of war. That's what's going on in Russia right now. Well, In a sense, of course, it is because (laughs) there's always going to be that. But that's that's we shouldn't be looking at Russia and Ukraine or any other skirmish that is going on. World Wars one or two. I'll bet a lot of people did a lot of Goggin and Magoggin with that. And they then went to Revelation or they heard Jesus say there's going to be wars and rumors of war. That's it. He's on his way. No, that's not the way to read signs of the times. It is to read them and go. Every time I see a war, I'm going to be reminded Jesus is coming back. Every time I see people acting coldly toward one another. Okay, Jesus is coming back. Vengeance is it. He's going to deal with this mess. That is how we should read the signs, not by using Revelation as some sort of grid to interpret current events. You got the magic eight ball approach, reading the Bible as a roadmap to tell me where to work, whom to marry, what car to buy. (laughs) There's a better approach to making decisions, and it does involve reading your Bible, but it's not looking for hints. I mean, how silly. Let's just imagine what what the God, and I mean small g God, would have to be like if he had little nuggets written in the Bible. You and I, like we're going on a treasure hunt without any clues. 
We got we to gotta find them in there, Jimmy. You might have married the wrong woman. Uh, that means you got the wrong kids, buddy. I knew it all along. Did you? <laughs> well, if you read your Bible this way, you might conclude that, but it's, it's not the way to read the Bible. And God would have to be, what kind of a God who loves his children wouldn't give him them a way to figure out how he wants them to live? Hiding little nuggets? Well, I was... I was trying to figure out who to marry, and I kind of dig a couple of chicks, Beth and Hannah. I don't know where those names came from. Beth and Hannah. So apparently we're talking about somebody who's a septuagenarian. Beth and Hannah, and this is the way he still talks like a teenager, apparently. So I I really dig Beth and Hannah. And uh, so I'm reading my Bible, and I was reading about David. And then it's called the House of David. And David was a good guy, right? So, like, I, I, I read the footnotes. And, and the word for house, as in House of David, is Beth. <laughs> Mary and Beth. We're going to build a home together. If you think that's preposterous, <laughs> it's not. God would have to be rather silly to communicate that way not a very good communicator but he did communicate clearly and we can know what we're supposed to be doing if we will read our bibles rightly jimmy normally i would throw in a plug for herman who available at wretched.org but not today the aesop's fables approach reading the bible is a loose collection of nice stories strung together independently each with a nice moral at the end the doctrine approach uh oh Reading the Bible as a theological repository to plunder for ammunition for our next theology debate at Starbucks. Uh Uh-oh. That ain't the way that we're supposed to be reading the Bible. And I'm afraid. That hit a lot of us right between the eyes. I get that one. That one. The other ones are like, yeah, yeah, I get off. Funny. Yeah, I, I, I do that. Or you find something and you go. Ah, I did that last night, by the way. (laughs) I was reading the book of James. All right. Again, it's good to read the Bible, to come up with to know stuff and to understand God better. Perfectly fine and well. But you don't want to be using it as a weapon and amassing your knowledge just so you can fire some missiles. So the book of James starts out, you guys are dispersed and you should count it all joy. What? And then we get to chapter five. So he's just been talking about how to live a godly life when you're being persecuted. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently. You also should be patient. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. And then I stopped and I went, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I hear these days. A lot of grumbling with a problem with the president and the Congress and everything else that's haywire here. And we can talk about that stuff, but we can't grumble about that stuff. So one of my inclinations in hearing that is, yeah, I could. Next time I hear somebody grumble, I can use that. Eh, Wrong, wrong, wrong. Not the right way to read the Bible. So, so you were going to grumble about the grumbling. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Martin Luther said, 
He who would correctly and profitably read Scripture should see to it that he finds Christ in it. I want to be careful. We don't want to be Christological in the old-fashioned way either, where you find him in every verse, but he is in every book. Then he finds eternal life without fail. On the other hand, if I do not study and understand Moses and the prophets as to find that Christ came from heaven for the sake of my salvation, became man, suffered, died, and was buried, ascended into heaven, forgiveness of sins, then my reading in Scripture is of no help whatsoever to my salvation. Let's be careful that we don't go find Jesus hidden everywhere because that's not the way the Bible is written. But remember what Jesus said. You read Moses and the prophets because you think that you are going to learn how to inherit eternal life. I tell you, they testify about me. If you've been reading your Bible wrongly, perhaps not growing, and perhaps your heart is not as warm as it once was, make sure that you are reading the Bible and always asking the question, what can I learn about Jesus? This is Wretched Radio. What tends to come to mind when you think of heaven? Do you picture pillows of clouds, fat baby angels, the strumming of eternal harps? Don't feel bad if those are thoughts that you've had over the years, because honestly, the world and the media has portrayed heaven to be just that, cartoonish. But trust me, you're in for much more than that. God has etched eternity onto our hearts because as Christians, we long for heaven. It's our home. Earth is temporary. We know heaven will be our permanent home and our permanent location. And that's why our minds tend to wonder what it will be like. And Randy Alcorn, he's compiled 50 inspiring and thought-provoking devotions that will keep our minds focused on the things above. He covers common questions that many of us tend to have about eating, relationships, pets, working, among other possibilities of what heaven will be like. So do yourself a favor, avail yourself to Randy Alcorn's 50 Days of Heaven. It's available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical, health, sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. You know, just a quick perusal of the Rented Store and Rented.org, and you'll notice resources like Road Trip to Truth, Life is Best, Untethered, Wretched Worldview, and all of our resources have one very distinct thing in common. And no, it's not Todd's ugly mug. Okay, maybe two things in common, but what I'm referring to, or who I'm referring to, is you. Seriously, because if you're a gospel partner, you are actually responsible for the resources we produce. We're just the mouthpiece, but our gospel partners are the engines that make Wretched run. Without you, there is no us. So if you're already a gospel partner, we humbly thank you. And if you're not an ongoing monthly gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one and help us continue producing biblically sound, Christ-centered content to reach the lost and edify the saints. Visit 
wretched.org slash donate to get all the details on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner today. That's wretched.org slash donate. It truly does take us all. Attributes of God God is omniscient, meaning He knows all things. He knows all things past, present, and future. God does not learn new information, and nothing takes Him by surprise. He knows what will happen, and is working all things for His glory, and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You've probably never wondered this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This is Wretched Radio. Why do two guys go into radio? Well, that's that's pretty obvious. Jimmy, tell me if I'm representing you correctly. Okay. Because we ain't so good at math. <laughs> or apparently grammar. <laughs> a double whammy. Math isn't your strong suit, nor is it mine. Jimmy, yes. how many of the wrong ways to read the Bible did I just share? <laughs> I got eight. <laughs> it was nine. Okay, I missed one. But you asked me what was nine and ten. <laughs> <laughs> so you goofed up the numbers. I did. I never do that. Oh, wow, Jimmy. <laughs> but I can hit a post. You, but you can. <laughs> yes, you can. You can just feel it coming, can't you? Uh, absolutely. I only shared nine out of the ten wrong ways to read the Bible because this one goes a whole lot deeper. A buddy of mine, Dr. Eric Weathers, sent me his doctoral thesis from the Master's Seminary because he's a little bit concerned that there's not a lot of people that are aware of this because there is a fellow in evangelicalism who is really popular wildly popular and he for the most part flies underneath the radar most people not being aware of what he teaches but supposedly he's a business guru who uses the bible to explain how to do business well dr weathers discovered that wasn't happening the bible wasn't being used rightly so his doctoral thesis is titled a study i'm going to leave the guy's name out of it because (laughs) If I shared the fellow's name, then I would be like um, harassed to the max. Well, let's get back to the article. A study of a particular guy and how he uses the Bible. He does not apply sound hermeneutical principles to uncover the single meaning of a biblical text. He trusts in extra biblical revelation, visions, conversations with the deceased that ultimately persuade his audience toward applications not substantiated by a biblical writer's intent. Now, there's nowhere in this article did Dr. Weathers say this guy is a false teacher, but he's issuing a warning. And we should respond to that warning and maybe have our radar turned to the max. Well, let's get back to the article. How popular is he? Inc. Magazine awarded him the number one position among the top 50 leadership and management experts in 2014. New York Times bestselling author. That speaks to several hundred thousand people every year. Well-educated, very popular, currently a pastor, selling oodles of books. But were you familiar with his hermeneutic? I'd like to share that with you. This is from the Book of Ruth study that Dr. Weathers did. Our business guru, who's 
name is going to go unmentioned. And I and I and I mean that to the max. Well, let's get back to the book of Ruth, shall we? Describes an occasion when he woke up early writing, quote, the pull of God was especially strong this morning, and I have a profound sense of anticipation, but I'm not sure what God is up to or what he has in store for me. I ask God to speak to me and direct me to pr- in prayer. So this is pretty mainstream evangelicalism. I just don't think it's biblical. If you want to know what God expects of you today, read your Bible. I have no business knowing what he has in store for me. Otherwise, he'd tell me. But he doesn't speak to us in that constant, ongoing conversation where God is acting like your personal assistant telling you what's on the docket for the day. We don't get to know a lot of things. He knows what the day is. Our job, read his word, love him, be faithful. His method for receiving revelation from God goes beyond the authority of the Bible to God speaking directly to him. He explains, I want to quiet my mind and be open to whatever God has to say. That is a trend that has been growing for decades in evangelicalism. I quiet my mind. What is that? Mindfulness? There's all kinds of mystical, the early church mystics that that influence this the the the, the desert fathers the, the the ones that that encouraged you to get alone empty your brain and just listen for god and so we see that today in all kinds of forms this fellow reveals that during this vision his thoughts were of his mother who died in 2009 but then his head suddenly starts to swim Try as he might, he cannot open his eyes. He sees flashes of light like stars while his ears ring. Finally, with his eyes open, he's standing in a beautiful meadow filled with pink flowers on a sunny day. What are we hearing? Well, if this really were a vision, if this really was, were God speaking to him, then you're hearing Bible. This is God speaking. This is God teaching a man something. This should be codified as the word of God. But we know the book of Revelation says, chapter 22, Rexella, it's done, sealed, it's closed. We have everything that we need. The business guru notices his deceased mother next to him and hears her calling his name. He asks his mother if they are in heaven. Her answer is, of course, dear. Okay, so this this fellow has traveled to the max Well, back to the details, he recounts that he was about to cry again and asks his mom, are we going to see Jesus? She responds with an apologetic no. So this doctor is in heaven to meet some amazing woman, each a giant of faith. The first one is Ruth. Here's the problem. A careful reading of four chapters of the book of Ruth clearly shows that his vision conflicts with the biblical account of the real Ruth. Ruth purportedly taught this guru many things about her life. One does not have to read far into the story to notice. Portions of his vision are opposed to a clear, literal, historical, grammatical hermeneutic. Here's an example. First, Ruth, a Moabite, tells the guru that her father arranged her marriage to Malon or Malon, M-A-H-L-O-N. If this is true, then the writer of Ruth is mistaken. Ruth 1.4 clearly states the men took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The word took can be translated lifted up, carried, 
They took, they lifted up, they carried their wives into marriage. They did not receive their wives through an arranged marriage. That's just, that's just a vision that should be disqual. It should be disqualified no matter what he says, but it disqualifies itself because it contradicts what the Bible teaches. Second, during the guru's extra biblical revelation, Ruth informed him that her Malan had been married for a short time, so short that God had not yet given us children. If, during the vision, Ruth indeed said that, then how is it that this Bible scholar didn't read Ruth 1, 4 through 5, which mentions the men and their wives lived about 10 years and then they died? There was plenty of time to have children. Third, in this vision, he states that Ruth followed her heart to do what was right. Um, that's not what the Bible tells us to do. We don't follow our hearts. That's what tends to get us in trouble. <laughs> the heart is more deceitful above all else, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So from this doctoral thesis, how can the business guru's appeals to clairvoyant conversations with dead people motivate his audience towards success in the marketplace, serve any biblical value for believers. Conclusion, the examples cited in this particular paper, which uh, it's about 35 pages long, I guess, are just the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Yet, they demonstrate his methods of biblical interpretation are a rejection of biblical authority. His lack of exegetical research, spurious extra-biblical revelation, fanciful visions, and conversations with the dead may lead some of his readers to unbiblical conclusions and applications never intended by the author. In other words, Dr. Weathers is issuing a warning. Before you start digesting what, what somebody is wanting to teach you and how to live your life, uh, we got to understand how they interpret the Bible. Are they learning it from supposed dreams and visions and revelations? God speaking to them? Or are they rightly dividing the word of truth, which is the way that we're supposed to read the Bible? The conclusion, what should be a biblical response to this method of interpreting scripture? Clearly, believers should not consult this doctor for biblical practices in the workplace. And I'll expand that. We shouldn't accept that from anybody. We shouldn't accept it. There, there's just way too many people out there that are sloppy and loose with their interpretation of the Bible, with their preaching, with their counseling. And if you are underneath a teacher like that, you would do well to find one who rightly divides the word of truth, who only hears from God when he studies God's word, who correctly applies it. <laughs> I have to say, doesn't take trips to heaven to talk to Ruth. I mean, uh, kind of wonder. It would have been interesting to talk to Esther because that there's some questions. Why didn't he ask Ruth about, so lying at the feet of Boaz, tell me again what that's all about because we kind of speculate on that cultural, the custom that they had. What was going on there? I guess maybe that'll be his next vision. In other words, we all need to read our Bibles right. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.